This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, show 422. It's limiting beliefs. You don't have to have a whole lot of money to get into real estate and make money. You really don't. And and you can see as my examples, I really did not have a whole lot of money to put into these deals at all. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. What's going on, everyone? It's Brandon Turner, host of the Bigger Pockets podcast, here with a phenomenal show for you that's going to go down in the history of Bigger Pockets podcast as one of the ones that people remember and come back to over and over and over, uh, interviewing an amazing person named Amanda. You're going to get to know her in a minute. But first, let me introduce you to my friend, my partner in crime, Mr. David Green. David. When you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Uh, well, I went through a phase where I wanted to be what my dad did, and he painted houses. Thank God I moved out of that one. <laughs> and then I think I wanted to be a professional athlete, okay. and uh, that definitely didn't happen. And then I had no idea what I wanted. I actually went through a lot of anxiety through high school and college because I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I love mm. to just get ahead of everyone else. I'm very competitive. So it was really hard that I couldn't figure out like what race I wanted to run. <laughs> it's hard to win a race, race when you don't know what you're running. When you don't know which one yeah. you're in. Yeah, that was yeah. that was my life. So when I finally found real estate, I had like, you know, 30 years of pent up frustration that I just unleashed on the whole thing. Mm. All right. What did you want to be when you grew up? Mm. Tall. I want to be a, a good job. I want to be tall. Yeah, I wanted to be a uh, a teacher. Was my thought like a calculus teacher? When I, in high school, that's what I want to do is calculus teacher. And uh, I'm 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 glad I didn't do that. Are but you I still that think good that at math cool. that you can do calculus? I mean, I was in calculus in high school. I didn't do it in college much. Well, I, whatever. I did a college class in high school and I liked it. But then I went for a history degree. So you don't use calculus in history. So anyway, I'm actually looking forward to teaching Rosie. I'm going to be Rosie's like, cause we're probably going to homeschool Rosie since we travel so much. So anyway, I'm, I get to be her math teacher. So starting like now I get to like go all the way through math again, all the way up and hopefully make Rosie a little. Yeah, you're one of those weirdos that like I loved gets excited it. about. Math. I loved it. I loved I'll it. I'll never understand. Yeah, you. Yeah. I loved it. I love it. Thank God math. you exist. <laughs> all right. With that said, let's get to today's quick tip. tip. So my quick tip for you is Set a number of offers you are going to make in 2021 per week on average. Maybe it's one per week on average. Maybe it's half of one per week on average. Maybe it's one per month on average. But set that number knowing that not all of your offers are going to get accepted. And if you're, that scares you, if you're like, well, I don't even know how to make an offer. Well, guess what? Now you got a really good like goal to figure out how to make an offer. And that's, your, that's, your first, that's the first domino to knock down. Let's figure that one out. So set yourself a goal for the number of offers you're going to make in 2021. And let's work backwards uh, to make sure that success is not a surprise for you, listener. And Maybe now give a what? second oh, quick please. tip. Okay. A, a, a quickly ooh, quick ooh. tip. Right. If you want to become friends with someone that you're having a hard time getting in there or you want like a mentor type of a situation, figure out what their goals are and help them meet their goals. Yeah. If somebody wants to be Brandon Turner's friend and they bring him a mobile home park <laughs> or someone to invest in your fund or they invest, that's a very quick way to get into your inner circle and kind of see the other things you have going on. So change the question from how do I bring value to you, which is very general, to how do I help you accomplish your goals, which is much more specific. Dude, that's so good. And so like, yeah, you just said you want to triple your business. So hey, if you are in the Bay Area and you know somebody who wants to buy or sell a house, talk to David Green because that's how you're going to bring him value. And uh, man, that's such a good tip. That's a good tip. That's yeah. exactly right. That's what's going to make me want to bring you into the world that I'm creating and see what I can do to now help you achieve your goals, yep. which was probably the reason that you wanted a mentor in the first place, right? Yeah. It's just a much better approach. Yeah. 
Crazy, man. That's good. That's good. You're a smart, dude. It's not sure what they say about you. <laughs> <laughs> You're ready to open a business bank account for your new property. You know what that means? Coordinating a time between you, your co-founders, and your bank consultant. Waiting at the branch or waiting for hours on the support line. Who has time for that? With Relay, you can open a business bank account for your property 100% online from anywhere. Create up to 20 accounts to organize money by property or by categories like expenses, taxes, or investments. Effortlessly collaborate with role-specific access. That means giving your cleaner a debit card for cleaning supplies or your accountant read-only access to your transactions. Own multiple businesses? Relay lets you open unlimited accounts and access them all from one centralized login. Okay, I'm just, I'm going off script here. That is cool. It's annoying that I have to log into 10 business accounts with my current bank. So go sign up for RelayFi because that's a, that's a feature that I like. No monthly fees or minimums, and it takes just 10 minutes to sign up. Head on over to RelayFi.com slash BiggerPockets for stress-free banking. You can join me because I'm heading on over there right now. I'm heading on over to RelayFi.com slash BiggerPockets. Relay is a financial technology company, not a bank. Banking services provided by ThreadBank, member FDIC. The Relay Visa debit card is issued by ThreadBank pursuant to a license from Visa USA Inc. and may be used everywhere Visa debit cards are accepted. Finding rental property insurance has been a headache for the past few years. You know the feeling. You're scrambling, calling 20 different insurance agencies in a dozen different cities, struggling to protect your portfolio at the right cost. But I'm going to tell you a little secret that'll change everything. Veteran investors don't go through the everyday insurance companies. They just use NREG. NREG, that's N-R-E-I-G, provides insurance solely for real estate investors. They've built the largest insurance program in the country for residential tenant-occupied, vacant, and renovation properties. The best part? You can put all your properties on one insurance schedule and one monthly bill. And you can add, change, or remove properties without having to cancel one policy and purchase another. They insure properties from single-family rentals, up to 20-unit multifamily dwellings, vacation rentals, mobile homes, condos, and more. Trade catchy jingles for cash flow with insurance made for investors. Visit nreg.com slash bppod to request a proposal. N-R-E-I-G dot com slash B-P-P-O-D. Top real estate investors love to talk about how they save so much on taxes. But how are they able to build rental property empires while skirting Uncle Sam? 1031 Exchanges. 1031 exchanges allow you to defer capital gains taxes while you sell an investment property, exchanging your old property for a bigger, better one and avoiding the tax man while you do it. And that's where First American Exchange Company comes in. They're the leaders in 1031 exchanges. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting, First American Exchange can help you with simple rental property exchanges, complex commercial real estate investments, reverse exchanges, and more. Don't let your taxes eat into your profits. Visit First American Exchange Company at firstexchange.com. Or call them at 800-556-2520. That's firstexchange.com. Or 800-556-2520. Keep your money in your pocket and propel your portfolio further at firstexchange.com. First American Exchange Company does not provide tax or legal advice. Consult your financial, real estate, tax, or legal advisor about your circumstances. First American Exchange Company. Safe, smart, secure. And now I think we're ready to get into today's show. Today's guest is Amanda Young. Amanda is just a a firecracker of a woman who just started as a single mom, not knowing what she's doing, having no money, was able to build financial freedom, is able to like doubled her income, crushed it despite a lot of obstacles in her path. You're going to hear about that today. It's really a great story of just daring greatly, which is a book she mentioned later in the in the end end of the, the show. But she's such a perfect example of that. You guys are going to love this interview. 
So I don't want to fool around. I just want to get right into it. David, you ready? Yeah, this is a story that someday could be made into a movie. So this is really cool. I think you guys are going to really like it. And apparently she was on TV. She had a TV show or something. Yes, she was. She was on a TV show. So anyway, you'll hear about that too. So without further ado, let's get to our interview with Amanda Young. Amanda, welcome to the Bigger Pockets podcast. Good to have you here. Hi, thank you guys so much. It's an absolute honor to be here with you guys. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Well, it's an honor to be here with you because I hear you have a pretty incredible story. So I'm uh, excited to dig in a little bit. Walk us through how you got into real estate. Like why real estate? What were you doing before that? And kind of how did you get into that very first deal? Okay. So back in 2012, I just recently got divorced. Um, I was finally able to kind of just sit down and breathe and allow myself to dream and basically closed that one chapter. And I thought to myself, now, what does my next chapter look like? What do I want to do for myself? And Blossom Real Estate, I went to the library. I didn't have a lot of money. So I went to the library and I read every book, every business book I could get my hands on. I read even stock market books. None of those made sense to me until I landed on Rich Dad, Poor Dad. (laughs) And as soon as I got a hold of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, it completely changed my life. It completely changed my mindset, put me on a path of a lot of fun and greatness and made a lot of money on the way. So I'm so grateful for that. Well, can I just, can I pause there? I don't know if I, I never asked this question. People talk about Rich Dad Poor Dad a lot. I talk about Rich Dad Poor Dad a lot. Mm-hmm. What, what is it about Rich Dad Poor Dad? For those who maybe haven't read it, what is it about that book that gets so many people fired up? You know what it is? It's, it's, a, it's a mindset game changer. It teaches you how to look at money completely differently than what you've always been taught or known. So you want to put your money to work for you like little soldiers out in the field. So once I realized that in a lot of other lessons that I obtained from the book, I was able to implement that in my life. Yeah. So, it, so it's just, it's just an absolute game changer. I highly recommend it to everyone. Yeah. A hundred percent agreed. So you, you get this prop, I mean, so you get this book, you read the book mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, this fired me up. So what do you do with that? So that was about in 2012, 2013, I threw myself into research. I happened upon you guys. That was back when Brandon and Josh were were doing yeah. the podcast. Yeah. Oh, geez, of the Bigger Pockets podcast. <laughs> Long yeah. time ago. And basically, you guys were my mentors. I was a single mom. There were no RIA groups in my area. So you guys, you guys taught me all the language I needed to know, different strategies, different ways to invest. So I'm forever grateful for you guys for that. So Everything you guys talked about and did, I basically implemented. You, you, one show talked about going to local RIA meetings. So I got myself plugged in to one that was about an hour away. That was the closest one. I was a single mom. So I would load up my son and I would drive him an hour to Tampa. We would go to these RIA meetings. He hated it, but <laughs> we did what nope. we had to do. It was just one night a month. So we would go and from the RIA meetings, I learned a lot more ways to invest and strategies. And I was also able to get plugged in with other investors like me. And I I learned a lot that way as well. So that um, between... 2012, 2013, and my research. In 2014, I was finally able to save enough money to buy my first rental property. I was very excited. It was late 2014. 
All right. So what, what was it? I mean, like, what, what did you buy? It was a uh, three, two block home in okay. my town. I was able to purchase that on what they call a home path loan. They no longer have that available to investors. However, back in 2014, it was a special loan where you could only put, you only had to put 10% down. So I was able to save that money and put the 10% down on a three, two home that cost, I think 78,000. And wow, right we're... now I get 1350 in rent on that that's, house. That's <laughs> Crazy. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, where was that one located? Was Spring Hill, Florida. Spring Hill, Florida. All right. You're in the game at that point. Mm -hmm. Why do you think so many people get stuck at the education phase, the research phase, which you were in, and then don't buy that first property? Like what was the analysis paralysis? They get scared. What if I lose my money? What if a hurricane comes and blows it away? A lot of what ifs you kind of have to get past that. You kind of have to get some courage, muster up some courage and go out there and and buy your first property now mind you <laughs> when i bought my first property i was i was a single mom and i didn't have a lot of money i got a lot of backlash i got a lot of are you crazy mm, no. you, you don't have a man in your life to help you um you're a single mom what are you doing you know and i said hey i have this dream i'm gonna follow i'm not gonna let anything stand in my way i'm gonna do it so i did so i bought my first property shortly thereafter um Shortly thereafter, I almost lost my son. He had a facial tumor. He was in the hospital Ooh. for two weeks. Uh, we almost lost him. He had to go through reconstruction surgery. Wow. After he got out of the hospital, he wasn't able to go back to school. I had a homeschooling. It was a very traumatic time in our life. And then about a month after that, I lost my job. So now, wow. yeah, now I'm, I'm unemployed. <laughs> And I have a son at home who I have to take care of. So more so than, you know, what I normally would have had to. And, and now I don't have a job. I'm unemployed. And what did I do though? I did not let that stop me. I went ahead and I found another property to purchase another rental in my neighborhood. How do you do that though? How do you purchase? You got no job. You're at home. How do you buy that second Mm -hmm. property? A lot of people get stuck here. They buy the first. They can't figure out how to buy the second. They can't figure out the second. Well, that property, I won a list of probate leads at my local RIA. They actually like um, had like a contest and they get, they, they, they well, you put cool. your, you put your business card on a, in a bucket or whatever. And they drew my name. I had no idea what probate was. I didn't know how to work a lead list. So the lady who runs that company, she kind of held my hand. She says, here's some example of letters to send. Just stick a stick them in the mailbox and see what happens. And lo and behold, I got a call back from a lady in Michigan. And she had a home here in Spring Hill. Her father passed, so it was a probate. I was able to negotiate a subject to deal. She wanted 6,500 cash and I took over the loan on subject to. Yeah, let's talk, let's talk about the subject too for a minute because that's something that a lot of people don't know what that is. And I, I, it's a powerful strategy. So yeah. how, how would you explain subject two to somebody who has just no idea about this? So subject two is taking an existing loan over that's not in your name. So the loan was in the dead guy's name, right? And I just took it over. I started making the payments for whomever the person's name is that is on that loan. But how do you, how do you like, cause like a lot of times what happens, like, you know, when somebody dies or 
you sell a property, you have to pay back the loan. So the bank's going to want their loan paid back. Right. So mm-hmm. how do you, how did you not, how did that not happen? What did you do to prevent that? So through going to some RIA meetings and listening to your podcast, I learned a couple of strategies to kind of prevent that loan from being called due. First thing I did was I put it in a land trust. And so that way, now on public record, it says family trust of who did previously own the house. And then what I also did is I went to the bank and I opened up a checking account and I opened it in a fictitious property management name. Hmm. So property management of whatever. And then I wrote all the checks out of that account. So when the bank received those checks, it said property management company so that, you know, they wouldn't be flagged like, oh, this is coming from a different person other than who owns the house. And it did. It it never got called due. Thank goodness. (laughs) I've never, I've never heard that. So what what do you do if, because this is a danger why I haven't done subject two very much at all, really. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've ever done a single subject two. So what do you do? No, maybe I did one. I did one, sort of. It was like a re- wholesale. But anyway, uh, what do <laughs> okay. you do? What do you do if a, a, a subject to loan is called due? What if the bank does say, "Hey, wait, no, this guy died," uh, or this you 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 bought the property, you got to pay us back? What would you have done? I would have went out and secured a bank loan or okay. a private money lender, or I could have just sold the house. Yeah. Yeah, that's the bottom line. I love that you said that because it's that's like subject to is you know risky. In that, like, mm-hmm. the bank could ask for their loan back. They don't necessarily want to just have people buying properties and not refinancing or right. buying it. But if they do call it, you got some time. You, you can go sell it. You can refinance it. You can get another loan. You can bring in a partner. There's a lot of options. So, yeah, the most important thing is to secure the deal. So you can start, you know, getting cash flow from that and then just be prepared with plan B if the bank does call it due. However, you can take preventative measures so that it doesn't happen. Yeah, you know, can I can I bring up an important point here too? Like, this is true in so many areas of real estate or I mean, really any business, but like especially real estate, is how many people out there will say things like you can't do subject two, it doesn't work anymore, or you can't do this strategy or that strategy, it doesn't work here. People are so quick to be like, it this doesn't work, or here's what it doesn't work. But you just perfectly illustrated like there are back doors and there are avenues and there are mm-hmm. other things you can with almost everything. So just that's just a word of warning to everyone listening is when people tell you like you can't do something or that something's not a good idea, be careful who you get your advice from. Like Yes, very much yeah. so. And that, and yeah. to be honest, when somebody tells me I can't do something, it just it drives mm-hmm. me harder to do it to prove them wrong. <laughs> yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah. All right, so you bought you gave this lady the 6500 bucks she wanted, you took over her mm-hmm. property and now you just rent it out and you just make the mortgage payment. And so you get to mm-hmm. keep all the difference for cash flow. And that you've been doing that ever since, right? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And realize yeah. the tax benefits as well. Mm. So there's that. Yeah, there's a lot of really cool things, uh, you know, that you get with that. So, okay. So like, what came next? Walk us through the rest of your story. What came next? So I like to utilize creative financing strategies. So driving for dollars, driving around different neighborhoods. I found a for sale by owner sign wrote in pencil. And yep. I'm like, oh, that, that's opportunity all over. <laughs> yeah, <it does. laughs> oh, man. So I was able to make an appointment and went and negotiated at the kitchen table. So this couple, they were older. It was their second home. And I knew that if they sold that house, they would be subject to capital gains tax. So I explained to them that, hey, you know, if you'll own or finance this, 
you won't have to be hit with so much taxes up front. So what do you say? I'll give you a little cash down and um, I'll just make monthly payments to you and you guys can have a supplemental income and not be hit with taxes Mm -hmm. so hard. And, and they, they like that idea. So I was able to negotiate at the kitchen table, $5,000 cash down. And I think it was a $62,000 mortgage at 6% over 20 years. Yeah. That's great. So that so now was, they that get, was a great one. Yeah. They get, it's win-win. They get their mm-hmm. money coming in every month. Uh, just like to help them in retirement. You get a property, mm-hmm. don't have to deal with a bank uh, and only $5,000 down. Sounds pretty awesome to me. Yeah. Yeah. And that I still own that house today. And actually that one, I was able to utilize that house. I refied that note this year because interest rates dropped. I was at 6%. Now I'm at 3.9, I believe it yeah. is on a 30 year note. I pay the same in my monthly payments. However, I was able to pull about $20,000 out and I went and bought another rental without taking any money out of my pocket and boom, I got a free home. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. All right. So what, what, what's your like portfolio look like? Where do you get to? Let's go to the end of your story. Like how many units do you have or how many have you bought? Like what's what's the last few years look like? And then we'll kind of Uh, fill in the the holes. Right now, Currently, I own uh, seven rentals. They pay they pay all my bills. I did own two more, but I sold them. I got a ridiculous price, so I sold them. So yeah, my seven rentals pay my bills, but I also started in 2016. I started a flipping business. Nice. So from 2016 till current, I am flipping houses. And you don't a need a W-2 job to flip houses, right? No. Oh, no, I don't have a W-2 job. I just yeah. want to say, I know we're just getting started here, Amanda, but this is so cool that oh, really? you lost your job and then went and made more money through real estate when for most people that would just be, well, I guess I can't do it. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't want to brag or anything, but I make, I think more than double than what I made mm-hmm. in my uh, W-2 income. Mm-hmm. I make over six figures doing this. Yeah. And all without the ability to get the easy financing. That's really what I was Mm -hmm. getting at. You know, that I've heard it said, a wise man once said, necessity (laughs) is the mother of invention. And you've now found some really cool. No, it wasn't. Did you say that? Is that your quote? Is that your quote? No, I don't have wise quotes. I just have a good memory. I remember other people's quotes. For me, success was not an option. So I had to be successful. There, there was another, uh, no other option for me out there but to succeed in real estate or go back to work. And uh, I didn't like that idea because I had a son, like I said, who I had to take care of. So, so yeah, success was not, you know, an option. It had to be done. <laughs> so I did it. So, so good. Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the mentality. I, one thing I find difficult, in fact, I had a conversation the other day with a buddy of mine. My buddy of mine's, you know, pretty wealthy has a good amount of money. And he was talking about how difficult it is now to start something new because he doesn't need it. He doesn't have the need anymore. Like he doesn't. And I've been through that as well. Like once you, you have a lot of, like you lose a little bit of that fire when you already have a lot of money and you're already wealthy. And so almost some people think that having no money and having like limited resources is a detriment, but I would almost argue that that should give you more passion and fire and excitement. You have a the like the fact that you have little money when you get started mm-hmm. is a benefit to you, not a disadvantage. It's an advantage to you. And when you shift your thinking from that to that, like obviously you're like, oh yeah, that's right. Like, like in fact, I think one of the scariest things is when people message me and say, I've got two hundred thousand dollars to invest, or I've got five hundred thousand dollars to invest. <laughs> what do I do? I'm like, hold on, like hold on. 
that is a scary spot to be in. Like I would much rather be in the spot when getting started of I've got 15 grand than if I've got 500 grand because that 500 grand is very easily lost. But the 15 grand, you're going to hold on a lot tighter. You're going to be a lot smarter about it. So that's yeah, it's, it's that's limiting cool. beliefs. You don't yeah. have to have a whole lot of money to get into real estate and make money. You really don't. And, and you can see as my examples, I really did not have a whole lot of money to put into these deals at all. Yeah. Wow. That's that's great. You know, we always have the, we grab these little clips from the for the beginning of every show, like to kind of tease what's coming every episode mm-hmm. of the podcast. I feel like the last like minute, there's been like ten things you said that every one of them I, I like wrote down, like writing down, like this would be a great tease for the beginning of the show. Oh no, this would be a great tease for no, this is a really good like everything you said there. I'm like, oh, this is so good. All right, so yeah, I mean, financial basically, you pay your bills. You can pay your bills through the income coming from the rental property. So we call I that do. Like all my bills one. are paid through yeah, so all my bills are paid through my rental income, my mortgage, groceries, gas. I do not live an extravagant lifestyle. My my house is just a normal house. I drive an old beat up Toyota as a work truck. So, you yeah. know, if, if you're not extravagant, then you, you can kind of get to a point where you don't have to have a W-2 income. And what happened for me was the W-2 income was really holding me back in a lot of ways. I did not have time to devote to real estate. Real estate was my passion because between the time I bought my second rental and then um, started my flipping business, I did have to go out and get another W-2 job. Um, And that really hindered my business in a lot of ways, but I had to do what I had to do. And the end of 2018, corporate America quit me. And... (laughs) (laughs) my boss at the time sat me down and she says, and, and Kristen, I love you. Thank you so much. But she sets me down and she says, Amanda, this is not your passion. Your passion is real estate and you need to follow your passion. I have to let you go because I was in a sales position. I didn't meet my numbers. So she let me go, but she says, this is where you need to be. This is where you excel at. This is what you're passionate about. And one day I'm going to see you on TV. And uh, she actually, (laughs) she saw me on TV. I was on the discovery channel for doing what I do. Oh, no way. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. I specialize in sinkhole homes in my area. Sinkhole home? Sinkhole? Sinkhole. Mm-hmm. This is a Florida thing. Tell us about <laughs> this, right. Amanda. Brandon's I want to know about, yeah, no, I don't, I've, I've seen like on the news once in a while, like sinkholes are a mm-hmm. thing in Florida, but I don't, I don't know anybody who specialize. I love them. I no, love what is them. this? What is so, this? I will tell you that on one of your podcasts long, long time ago, you had somebody on there to say, go after the product that nobody uh-huh. else wants and mm-hmm. that everybody else is scared of. And for my, for me, that was sinkholes. Nobody in my area invested in sinkhole homes. Nobody wanted them at the time. And so I said, that's, that is what I'm going to do. I'm going after the sinkhole homes because nobody wanted them. And everyone was, everyone was scared of them. Well, thank you. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, we always talk about run towards hard, like run towards the thing that's Mm -hmm. difficult, right? You ran towards hard, but okay. When I think sinkhole, I -hmm. think like there's this hole that opens up in the ground and the house falls into it. And now there's no house anymore. Is that not what, like, how, like, what, how do you, how do you, what do you even do with a sinkhole house? Like, how's that a thing? I'm just, I'm, oh, my no, mind is blown right now. I don't know how that's this That's okay. Happens. They're great. So if you watch the Discovery Channel show, it's called Sinkholes Buried Alive. Very rare does a sinkhole actually open up to where it swallows the entire house. That's kind of sensationalized. Sure. So what happened in my area back in the early 2000s, there was a sinkhole scam going around. There's these guys that would walk around and knock on your door and say, hey, you've got a, 
you got a crack in your sidewalk. You got a sinkhole. Mm. <laughs> Fill out this piece of paper. We'll deal with the insurance company and, and you'll get a big fat check. So that's exactly what happened. If you had a crack in your sidewalk, you could declare a sinkhole. What happened was the insurance companies would pay off your mortgage. They would send you like a hundred thousand, hundred and fifty thousand dollar check to fix the said sinkhole. Well, nobody fixed the sinkhole around here. They just took that money and they bought boats and vacations and cars and extra homes or whatever. Well, now fast forward, the county has all these houses that are flagged sinkhole. Okay. Well, there's really 90% of the time, there's really no sinkhole. But what I do is I take these houses and I buy them 50 cents on the dollar or less. And I repair the sinkhole. I have it pinned or I have another engineer come along and retest it and see if in fact, is there a sinkhole or not? And if there's not, we uh, get a new engineering report, which supersedes the old one from the fraud and the flag is removed. And now the house the house is just like any other house in the neighborhood. If hmm. there's an actual sinkhole, I have an engineer come out and they pin it all the way around the whole perimeter. What does they that mean take, to, to pin it? What is that? So they take like steel beams and they they drive them down ah. into the ground until they hit a certain PSI. And so when they get past all the the lime rock and and all the sediment and everything when they get to a certain psi they they anchor that beam and then they anchor the other end on the house kind of like it's kind of like a bracket right okay. so yeah. they they put it under the house <laughs> and so now your house is supported by usually about 30 beams on the entire perimeter of the home and now once it's repaired and once it's remediated the house the arv is exactly the same as any other house in my community in fact, sometimes they're even more desirable wow. because in my, in my area, it's almost not, do you have a sinkhole? It's when are you going to get a sinkhole? <laughs> so, you know, a lot of people would rather have one that's repaired so they do not have to deal with it in the future. It's, you know, California is like that with earthquakes. That's mm -hmm. what it sounds like you're describing, like the retrofitting that they do to make it safer yeah. for earthquakes is what they're doing out there. Wasn't there a case of a sinkhole? In was it Bowling Green, Kentucky, maybe where they make the Corvettes? I think that was a I'm big thing. Sure. That the was a thing. Yeah, I yeah. They like that. that a huge hole, and all these like really yeah, rare and expensive went, Corvettes yeah. fell oh, into the <laughs> sinkhole. Yeah, that would be so. This so is bad. really interesting. That uh, here's what I want to ask: How did you find this niche? Did someone tell you about this? Did you just stumble upon it? Oh, so like I said, you guys were the ones that kind of said, you know, go after the things that nobody else wants, and. If you live, we're called Sinkhole Alley. I mean, there are so many, they're so prevalent here that if, if you live here, you just know about, I mean, it's just how mm. it is. It's, it's like every, you know, it's like hurricanes, sinkhole. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we have to deal with all that. So. Yep. Um, what I did was I ran an ad in the newspaper. So in my community, there's a newspaper called the Senior Voice. And it's for all the older people. And so I ran an ad, I ran a full page ad and said that I, I bought sinkhole homes and that I was a sinkhole specialist, but I had never bought a sinkhole. <laughs> You're a specialist. But, but that got me a ton of leads and I was able to purchase quite a few. I've done, I've done quite a few of them and I was able to purchase those, remediate them and then turn around and sell them. 
Mm. You know, and just just so I can, I, I want to pull out a couple of things here because a lot of people might be listening to this and and they're thinking super specific right now. Like, oh, well, I don't have sinkholes in my area, so I'm not going to, mm-hmm. you know, this doesn't apply to me. Like, it might be a sinkhole. It might be asbestos. It might be lead-based paint. It might be bad tenants that need to be evicted. I think right now, one of the biggest opportunities we have in the next six months to a year is all these tenants, like, in the U.S. that have just not paid rent for months and months and months and their landlords haven't been able to do anything about it. Like, that's a massive problem. And so, like, people, yeah, there's there's solutions to this. Like, so interesting yeah. enough that you bring up about the tenants. My property manager has effectively COVID-proofed my tenants. <laughs> How's that? Yeah, I have a phenomenal property manager. She is absolutely amazing. She is incredibly smart. What she has done is she has put in place tenants who have multiple sources of income. And we're Mm. not talking about him and her. We're talking about just, you know, one of them having multiple sources. So if COVID takes one away, we can still pay rent on their other sources of income. That's great. Phenomenal. I have not had an issue, not yet at all. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I love it. We're always looking for ways to improve, searching for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for better is by matching with quality candidates. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Just go to Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You've heard us talk about it before. High interest rates are crushing real estate investors, leaving even some of the best investors in need of funding now. But with today's liquidity crisis, who can fill the demand? With Fundrise, America's largest direct-to-investor alternative asset manager, you have the opportunity to. Fundrise's new opportunistic private credit strategy was designed specifically for this new market environment. Fundrise supplies high-demand bridge financing on high-quality assets with credit-worthy borrowers. Top real estate investors get the funding they need while you walk away getting paid a healthy interest rate. To date, Fundrise has completed more than $500 million worth of private credit deals with an average net interest of 10.8%, and they've already amassed a pipeline worth more than $300 million. Don't sit on the sidelines. You can take advantage of this unique window of opportunity while it lasts with Fundrise's new private credit strategy. Ready to start? Go to Fundrise.com pockets to learn more. That's F-U-N-D-R-I-S-E dot com slash pockets. This is a paid endorsement for Fundrise. Past performance is not indicative of future results. All investments can lead to loss. Listen up, business owners, because I've got some quick little math for you. Fewer costs equal more profit. The problem? You're spending more than ever on operations, materials, deliveries, software, and more. 
So why not reduce your costs and headaches with NetSuite by Oracle? NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Oh, also, NetSuite lives in the cloud, which means you can reduce IT costs with no hardware required. Cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because now you've got one unified business management suite. You can improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. It makes sense that over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. So don't let rising costs sink your business growth. And by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash biggerpockets. NetSuite.com slash BiggerPockets. NetSuite.com slash BiggerPockets. So what your story really illustrates here, what I, what I love is that you you had this passion, this dream. You had a need, a, a desire, like a, a need. You had to figure this thing out. You went out there and you did it. You got like what I call level one financial freedom. You can pay your bills with it, which is great because now that it gives you, that's like if you play cash flow the game, right? You're outside the little rat race circle. And now you have the ability, once you achieve level one financial freedom, you can go do other stuff to either make more money, like now you're flipping houses because you can do that, mm-hmm. right? You don't have to rely on uh, you know, the, the fear of like, well, what if a month or two goes by without getting a flip? Well, your bills are paid. Right. So you have that, that freedom to be able to do that. When I was 27, uh, I had enough cash flow, I was making three grand a month. It was enough to pay all my bills. And I was like, all right, well, I guess I can go start a podcast. So that's where the Bigger Pockets <laughs> podcast came from. Me and Josh started that because we're like, I mean, like I didn't have to worry about like what I was going to do. And so this is so like, so important just this idea of like get that level one financial freedom like have a reason why i mean everything you're talking about is just so good so let's let's talk let's talk a little bit about the flipping like what kind of like volume do you do i mean are you doing 20 a month you're doing a couple a year yeah not not that i wish i was doing that (laughs) well you you know for me i started in real estate, I did not know the difference between a 20-year roof and a 30-year roof. I didn't know what a double tap was. Um, I didn't know what a shark bite was. Is it a double so tap I'll, like when you like kill a zombie and then you hit him a second time? Yeah. Isn't that exactly. a thing? A double tap? Anyway, all right. So, you know, all in due time, I would love to do 20 flips a month, but I had to learn from nothing this industry. So I started when I flipped in 2016 and then 2017, I, you know, every year I do more because I learn more and I understand the process more now. So I would, I'm at a point now where I would love to scale and I, and I can scale because now I have teams in place. I have a lot more education behind under my belt. I'm very confident in what I do now. So probably per year, I might do half a dozen or maybe eight or 10, but now I I'm at a point where I feel confident and comfortable enough to scale, to get to, to 20 or more a year. Well, still half a dozen a year. That's still more than I ever did in a year. I'm not like, I'm not a flipper much either, but like, you know, I do a few in a year and I'm like, all right, well, that was a good year. You know, Mm -hmm. so you're still, you're still killing it. Uh, What have you found? Like, what have you found it's like to flip? And I hate, I hate this question because even just asking it comes across kind of weird, but like, it's true. Flipping as a woman is different than flipping mm. as a man, right? Like it's a, it's largely a quote unquote man's world of dealing with contractors and all that. Have you, have you found that or has it not been an issue at all? No, no, it's an issue. Unfortunately, okay. it is an issue. Uh, you know, you can't let it stop you. 
I combat that with education. I know what I'm talking about. If I don't ask a lots of questions and I speak to a lot of ladies, a lot of ladies come up to me and say, um, gosh, I wish I could do what you do. I'm, I'm, I don't know where to start, start. I'm not confident. It's such a male dominated industry. And I just want to say, but use it to your advantage. Mm. Be the, I love to be the underdog and be underestimated. So there's some, there's a lot to be said about being underestimated um, and going in and beating the boys out. I love doing that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so ladies, it's great, especially with negotiating twice now, twice that I know of, I beat the boys out in negotiations, not because I had more money. The first one, I was the lowest bidder by 10 grand. The second one, I was the lowest bidder by 17 thousand dollars. And it was only because I went in there, not a heavy hitter. I didn't go in there aggressive. I went in there and I figured out exactly why these ladies needed to sell their home. It had nothing to do with the money. Mm. So if you could just use that to your advantage, ladies, (laughs) you could really, really make it, you know, in real estate. And I really wish that a lot more women would come and get into the business you had Ash on a couple episodes ago, yeah. the only woman in the room. I haven't even read the book, but I, I have been there. I know exactly what she's talking about. I would go to Rio meetings. I would not only be the only woman in the room, I would be like the youngest one yep. in the room. And I would be the only one in the room with a small child <laughs> sitting there at the meeting. You know, So do what you have to do. It's, it's not a bad thing. I'm very passionate about it. I'm very passionate about helping other ladies. I hope a lot of other ladies where and when I can, but I just can't stress it enough. It is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Get out there and do it. Yeah, that's so good. Well, that's always when we get in our own way, when we assume there's something about me that won't let me succeed because I'm not like everyone else and I can't do it. And then you went and found that that thing that made you different than everyone became a competitive advantage Mm -hmm. in many scenarios. So that's just why Brandon and I, we're harping so much on mindset now because real estate is really simple. I'm sure you can agree, Amanda. It's not easy, but it's simple. It is not rocket science. Yes. It's our own self that gets in the way of being Mm -hmm. successful. Is that similar to what you found? Absolutely. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yeah. So I got a question for you about that. When it comes to what catches your eye in a deal, can you share with the listeners what you see that makes you go, Ooh, I want to pursue that one. Oh goodness. I can walk in. I'm I'm at the point now I could walk into the house and I can just see it in my head. All, all redone, all prettied up, new cabinets, new flooring, new lighting. Uh, I look for location. I can't change the location of a house. Yeah. Isn't in a good neighborhood? Isn't in an up and coming neighborhood? Does it have good bones? If it has a weird layout, I don't really like them. And the weird layouts are hard to sell. Is it open, airy? You know, have a good feel about it. I, I just know immediately. I know immediately when I walk up, I know what my buyers are looking for. Mm-hmm. I know it's going to sell in the market. Every day I look at what has sold, I look at what finishes were put in. So I know what that neighborhood needs to have as far as a rehab. I think it just comes from experience. When I first started, and I still do this, when I first started, I would drive around, I'd pop into other people's rehabs. I did not know these people. I didn't care. I'd just knock on the door. Hey, what are you guys doing? That's awesome. That's one of the tips. I I speak at a lot of local RIAs and, and this, that, and the other, a lot of women's groups. And it comes 
I give a lot of tips on how to get started and how to build your knowledge base and knocking on other people's rehabs doors and seeing what they're doing. Where did you get those cabinets? What kind of flooring is that? What contractors do you use? And start getting to know the other investors in your community. And they, I have not had one person to turn me down when I was asking questions or inquiring about building supplies or materials or what have you. So that's a really good way to get started. That is such a good tip. And it's something that people right now are listening and they're nodding going, that's a really good idea. And then they're never going to do like, <laughs> like, but like, it's so easy, right? You see a rehab, you pull over, you, you walk up to the front door and talk to the people. Mm-hmm. Like it's mm-hmm. sometimes the simplest things are like the hardest to do. Yeah. Mm. Oh man. All right. So uh, today, like if you could sum up, like what, what are the best ways right now you're finding deals? Like, how are you finding deals today? And then how are you funding deals today? So primarily all my deal deals are off market. I find okay. them all driving for dollars, mostly driving for dollars, knocking on doors. Um, I also encourage people to let everybody that you know, know what you do. Yeah. Let them know what you're passionate about. People are very willing to help you when you're very excited about your business and I tell all like my soccer mom friends, I say, listen, you give me a lead. I close on, I will take care of you monetarily. I will, you know, I will make it worth your while. When I'm driving around knocking on doors, I go to the neighbor and say, Hey, I got $500. If you can give me, give, give me their information. And I close on that deal. I will give you some money. So, you know, word of mouth is a big one. I get a lot of deals that way, but mostly it's me out pounding the pavement. (laughs) Yeah. Well, what, when you're, I love that you said the driving for dollar thing too. We've been working at bigger pockets on developing some new uh, stuff that may be out by now. Um, it may not be, so I won't talk too much about it yet. But oh, we got a new product coming out with a bigger pocket. It's going to help with a lot of off market deal finding stuff. And driving for deals is one of those, like driving around looking for those properties. What do you look for? Like what, what, what immediately on the outside of a property are you like? That's something I want to stop and write down the address and look them up, or you know, email or call or mail a letter to. What, what triggers that? Unkept tall grass. Bad roofs is a big one. Mm, Uh, We're we're here in Florida. We get hammered with weather. So bad roofs, tall grass, trash everywhere, unkept. I'll go look in the windows. If it, if it's all old, if it's 1970 or 80 original, I want that house (laughs) and I will, um, I'll mail a letter. I'll knock on neighbor's doors. I'll skip trace them. I'll call them. I'll, I'll call their neighbors. I'll call whoever I can get a hold of. And, and from there I'll negotiate the deal. Yeah. It's really, again, it's not rocket science. It's It's pretty easy. Yeah. Uh, What about, what about funding those properties? When you, when you get a flip under contract, you want to go flip a house. What do you do for funding? Right now I'm using my own capital. I am looking at bringing on some private money lenders so I can scale. That's what I hope to do. At first, when I very first started, I did have to use hard money for a couple deals. But after that, I just kind of let my capital snowball with each Mm. deal. And um, I, oh, I also, I also brought on a business partner. So she and I now flip together. It's more, one, you have more capital together. Yeah. you know, to purchase, you have more purchasing power yep. Two, you have two, now you have two brains on the deal and two is better than one. And three, it is so much more fun to do it with somebody, you know, yeah, totally somebody true. else. So when I first started, it was all by myself, but now I have a business partner and we're just rocking and rolling. I mean, it's great. It's phenomenal. That's cool. 
How, how did you know, how'd you find your partner and how'd you know they were the right one for you? So one of the local RIA meetings, she showed up, she, she is a realtor. She showed up and just said, Hey, you know, I'm here. I want to learn. I want to invest myself. So she and I just hit it off. We were out driving for dollars one day, just running around. We happened upon a deal and we're like, well, we think about doing this one together. Well, okay, right. let's try it. So we said, we'll do that one together. We're going to do one. We're going to see how this one goes. And if it goes well, we'll talk about the next one. Well, that has been since 2016. Okay. <laughs> We're still together, still flipping, making a lot of money. It's, it's the best so much way to, fun. It's the best way to find a partner. I really think so. Yeah. It's like, do, do a deal and then do another yeah. one and do another one. See how it goes. You don't know how somebody's going to be until you work with them a little bit. So just. We have so there. much fun. We get into so much shenanigans. <laughs> we, <laughs> it is. I'm living the dream. I mean, I'm working harder than I've ever worked in my life as far as like physically goes, but it is, it is great. It's I'm living the dream. I couldn't ask for anything more. That's phenomenal. All right. Well, let's move this along and go to the next segment of the show. It's time for our deal. Deal. Deep, deep dive. dive. part of the show where we dive deep into one particular deal that you've done. So Amanda, without further ado, let's jump into the questions here. Number one, do you have, first of all, do you have a property in mind you can think of yes. that we can? Okay, good. Mm-hmm. First one, what, what is the property? What, what type of property is it and where is it located? It's a 2-2 uh, two, two block home located in Spring Hill. All right. 2-2 two, two block home, Spring Hill. All right, next question. And how did you find that deal? This is a deal I spoke about earlier. It was a probate lead deal. So it came from a probate list that I mailed. I mailed a letter and she called me. Perfect. How much was the property? What did they want? And what'd you buy it for? Well, they wanted 6,500 cash. And I I purchased it on the BOA note for 42,000. Okay. Now, did you negotiate that? How did you come up with that number? That's what she wanted. Okay. She wanted that 6,500. I don't recall why she wanted that, but that's what she wanted. And I didn't even, I didn't even try to, to negotiate her down because it was such a good deal. I do that a lot. If a seller comes to me and says, this is what I want. And I'm like, you know what? I can make that work. So let's just roll with it. (laughs) There you go. So that's what I did. All right. So we know that you negotiated that way. You funded it with the, with the, uh, you said earlier, the, uh, Subject to, right? So you just took it mm-hmm. with their mortgage in place. And then you said you rented it earlier, right? So did, do you still have it today? Did you eventually refinance it? Like what, what was the long-term story with that? So this one's very interesting. I moved in a tenant and he he was a, a vet and he called me about six months, six or eight months later. And he says, Amanda, I love this home. My daughter loves this home. I really don't want to move again. I, I just don't. Can I purchase it? Mm. And I said, well, Tom... <laughs> I wasn't really intending to sell that house. Let me think about this for a minute. And I said, uh, I thought about it and I went back to him and I said, okay, so if we can agree upon a price, I'll sell you this house, but I won't sell it to you until I have owned it a year and a day. Yep. (laughs) And uh, he's like, well, okay, that sounds good. So we negotiated an $85,000 purchase price. And I waited and he waited until I owned that property a year and a day. Why did that matter to you a year and a day? Because I wanted to do a 1031 exchange. Okay. Yeah. I wanted to utilize the tax benefit of that 1031. So, I, well, I didn't have to pay taxes on all my property and I wanted 
wanted to roll that into another property. And yeah. you're saying if it's within a year, it's a short-term capital gain, so it wouldn't be eligible for a 1031? So the 1031 exchange has rules, and to be able to utilize that, you have to have owned a property for a year and a day at minimum. Yeah, makes sense. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what did you end up doing with this deal? Well, I wanted to roll it into one property, but that's not what I actually did. I rolled it into two cash flowing rental properties with very little money out of my pocket. That's awesome. That's it was great. Awesome. <laughs> so you took one <laughs> and property. And I still own those two today. And they both so cash I love flow. Taking, and, mm-hmm. I love taking one property and either turning that one property into two or one or more rental properties. And that's what I was able to do. So I utilized my sub two deal with a 1031 exchange and I used all the proceeds to roll that into two cash flowing houses, two block homes that cash flow crazy with very little money out of my pocket. That's so good. So good. All right. Mm -hmm. And uh, what did you, what did you learn from this deal? Any lessons you can pull out or you can teach people about it? Oh goodness. Yes. I learned a lot. I mean, I learned that I I didn't need a whole lot of money to invest in real estate. Uh, I learned the art of taking one deal and turning it into multiple. I learned the ins and outs of 1031 exchange. I learned the ins and outs of subject to deals. I had to hire a lawyer for all this and a 1031 custodian. So I was able to get plugged in with people who are much smarter than me in those, in those fields. So I was able to use those in future deals of mine as well. So it's good. It was really good. That's phenomenal. That's that's awesome. We should probably mention a few things about a 1031 exchange. The first one that a lot of people get wrong is that they think that they can get the money put in their own account and then they just have the 45 days. Yes, that face you just made. I've had clients (laughs) make that before. So you cannot have what is called constructive receipt. So you need to set up, basically, it's like an escrow company that handles the funds on your 1031 exchange. And then you've got uh, 45 days to identify, or is it, yeah, it's 45, right? It's 45 to identify 180 180 to close. close. There you go. And that's not like holidays or business days. Yeah, Brandon's got a good story. He's got some 1031 sweat that he can share with, with, with us someday. He had a really good story there. But please, if you're thinking about copying this strategy, don't make the mistake of thinking you just get the money on a regular sale and then go... 1031 because it won't be. No, before you want to utilize 1031, you really do before the sale of the property, you want to go find the custodian uh, or a company that does this and let them handle all the paperwork. The money actually does have to go from closing to them. It doesn't ever actually go to your account or in your hands. It, It goes to what they call a custodian and they sit on it until you're you're ready to purchase your next property. Yeah. In my case, it was two. <laughs> That's awesome. It was great. Well, yeah. It's, it also shows like the, the monopoly strategy of like, you know, houses to hotels, not that you did a mm-hmm. hotel, but you traded up from uh, mm-hmm. one house to two of them and made more money. Yeah. I bought, I, I 1031 for my 24 unit into another 24 unit and the mobile home park. So I went from 24 units to 75 units like that. And uh, yeah, you can just do that kind of thing throughout your life. I mean, until they do away with the 1031. Someday, yeah, until the they, 1031 goes away. <laughs> they, they, every I election. Ci- I know. I hope not to. They, every election cycle, it comes back and they start talking about getting rid of it. And then mm-hmm. they never actually do get rid of it because half of Congress owns real estate and they like it. But we'll see. You know, we'll see. All right. Well, that's uh, that was a good deal. Deep dive. And now it's time to conclude today's show with our 
Famous Four. All right, the Famous Four. This is the part of the show where we ask the same four questions every week to every guest, and so I'm sure you've heard them many times before, but now it's your turn. And uh, with that, Amanda, let's get into the Famous Four. Question number one. Okay. Favorite real estate-related book? Has to be Rich Dad, Poor Dad, hands down. Completely um, changed my life. I highly recommend that to anyone who is is getting started or if they've just never read it. They really, really do need to sit down and read it. All right. Awesome. Uh, what is your favorite business book? So my favorite business book, um, actually, I chose one that is, I feel, a prerequisite to business. And it's called uh, Daring Greatly by oh, Dr. Yeah. Brene Brown. And I know you have the quote behind you. I do. You're the first person to ever notice that I had that quote behind me, I think. I don't think anybody's ever brought that up. I I read that quote in that book and I was like, that's such a good quote. And so I put it behind me. Amazing. So this book kind of gave me the courage. You know, it taught me to show up, be seen. I'm going to step into a large arena and I might fail. And if I fail, it's going to be okay. So this, where... Rich Dad, Poor Dad kind of gave me the dream. This one gave me the courage to go ahead and and step out of my comfort zone and do it. All right. All right. When you're not tracking down sinkholes, filming (laughs) TV shows, making dreams come true, what are some of your hobbies? I love to be on the water. I'm an avid kayaker. Uh, I have a set board. And as often as I can, I like to be out kayaking or on the boat, fishing, something like that. All right. Very cool. Well, my final question. What do you think separates successful real estate investors from those who give up, fail, or just never get started? Hands down grit. I read that book and I'm like, that's me. <laughs> Absolutely grit. I'm not the smartest. I don't have the most money. So I have a lot of determination and and grit. So that is what pushed me and got me through to where I am today. That's so cool. I think you're smarter than you give yourself credit for. You are uh, <laughs> you are a, a rocket ship. It's awesome to see. So absolutely. Congratulations. That's very, very cool. Well, yeah, it's been awesome having you on the show today. But uh we're not quite done. David's got one more question for you before we get out of here. Last question of the day. Tell us where okay. people can find out more about you. Well, I'll provide my email so they can email me if they like. I love talking to people and encouraging other ladies. So please reach out um, and you can find me on Instagram. And I also run um, my town's local RIA. So mm. you're welcome to come to our free meeting once a month. And I what I also do is I do on-site rehab meetings. So when I purchase a property, I'll do an on-site before. I won't touch it. I'll have everyone come through and look at it. And then I'll do a post on-site meeting where after I'm done with the rehab and we have the appraisal back, I'll have everyone come walk through and I'll provide exactly what I spent, where, and I'll share my contractors and other people that I've used to rehab the house. And I'll show them exactly what the numbers shook out to be. What did I make where I had to spend my money and, and did the deal go well or didn't it? So that's, so you guys are welcome to come to that as well. Awesome. Very cool. Well, Amanda, this has been, this has been fantastic. Really, really good. Thank I just, you. Yeah, you're you're just such a like such a inspiration and uh, you know just a proof of all the stuff we talk about on the show and and proof that like if you want it bad enough, 
you can really do anything. And, you know, congratulations mm-hmm. on all, all your success. And I look forward to seeing where you're heading in the future. By the way, where are you heading in the future? What's your, what, what do you want to do in the next 5, 10, 20 years? Where do you see yourself? You know, I like to tell people I'm an opportunist. <laughs> so I, I want to keep what I'm do, doing, what I'm doing. I absolutely love it. And I'm excited for what opportunities that might come my way. So I would like to keep flipping and acquiring rental properties until maybe I meet a certain passive income amount. And then maybe I'll take, you know, a little vacation or something. (laughs) I do want to take an RV across America eventually. So I'm gearing up for having the ability to do that. My son is going to graduate high school. And, um, I'm hoping to have enough passive income where I can just take off in my RV and travel wherever I want for as long as I want. That's amazing. And finally, final question. I forgot to ask this earlier. How can our audience provide value to you? I am looking for private money lenders so I can scale this business a little bit more than what I have. So right now that's really what I need is some private money lenders. Ah. Cool, Amanda. Well, thank you very much. And, uh, David Green, you want to get us out of here? Yes, sir. This is David Green for Brandon, a wise man once said Turner, signing off. <laughs> You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from biggerpockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. There's a reason small multifamily investing is so popular in the Bigger Pockets community. With just a 3.5% down payment, you can own up to four different units. Think about it. If you house hack and live in one of the units, you still have three different groups of tenants helping you pay down your mortgage every month, four kitchens and bathrooms you could renovate to increase your property value, four different Airbnbs, medium term rentals, or other rental strategies that you can try in one property, all in just one transaction. Of course, the question is, where do you find a small multifamily property that you can actually afford? Which market and which deals are best for you? Once you close, how do you manage it, optimize it, keep scaling, and living your life without being tied down to four leaky toilets or four fussy tenants? All great questions, my friends. All to be answered in the upcoming Small Multifamily Bootcamp with Chris Lopez and Leica Devatha. So if you're serious about growing your portfolio with this highly efficient strategy, head to biggerpockets.com slash four, F-O-U-R, today and join us in the Small Multifamily Bootcamp. See you there. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.